You are listening to a true gospel perspective from our Macedonia Baptist Church ministerial staff. We pray that this message will be a true blessing to you. truly indebted to Pastor Emeritus, Pastor Charles Twyman, to the preachers, deacons, members, and friends that are in attendance, and those of you who are on live stream, we greet you in the master's name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, if you would turn to me to, with me to the epistle of Romans, the fifth chapter. We're going to look at the first five, five verses of Romans, the fifth chapter. You had to have a say amen? Yeah. Amen. Let us read. Romans 5, 1 through 5. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherewith we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of our God, of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulation also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. I wanna focus on that third verse and third and fourth verse. And not only so, but we glory in tribulation also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And from those verses, I would like to pin for a title of this message, From Tribulation to Hope. From Tribulation to Hope. Everyone in this room has experienced some type of tribulation in our lives. In the climate in which we live with a divided nation, a nation that has become divided along racial lines. We've been met with a very difficult trial that has taken place in Minnesota in the execution of George Floyd. And then over the weekend, or last week, the shooting of Dante. Police officer said that she accidentally grabbed her gun instead of her taser. Young black man, another young black man that has been gunned down. And let me share this, share this with you as well. When Pastor Twyman made me the youth pastor here at Macedonia Baptist Church back in 2001, one of my first agendas for the young black men and women was to teach them how to conduct themselves if ever confronted by the police. I told them all the do's and the don'ts. As a matter of fact, I brought Brother Pace in who is a police officer that 
and a member of this church to give them instructions on what to do and what not to do. But all, God also had me instruct them on the reason why we're in this situation we're in now. Because I had a session and I told them, I said, if the black community, as we as black people, will not police ourselves, will not challenge our young people, will not instruct our young people, then the white community will. And that's the last thing that you want, is for them to come in and begin to police our young black men and women. I was getting ready for church this morning and they released a video of a young black woman who was driving on a permit in River Rouge. And white cops, or Caucasian cops, police officers, snatched the young black woman out of the car and put her on the ground. We don't know all the events that led up to this. But there's just a certain way that you need to conduct yourself as black people as well as white people. God put us on this earth to live together. And it is us that have decided to divide ourselves. And we need to understand that there's a, there's a decent way to live in this world. And our black community has some problems, we have some issues that we need to work out, we need to fix. We don't need other folk coming in trying to fix. We need to challenge our own young people. We need to call them on the carpet. We need to stop making excuses for them and let them know when they are wrong. And the reason why we need to do it because we love them. We care about them. And I don't want to see another black young man or a black young woman gunned down by the police, whether they be white or black. The city of Detroit has some problems. And understand that there is tribulation that's on the horizon. Regardless of how the verdict comes out, there's going to be some problems. I'm just letting you know right now. Whether Derek Chavez is found guilty or innocent, there's going to be some tribulation. There's going to be some difficulty. So how do we as believers deal with this? How do we handle the verdict in which will come out if it's not in our favor? How, how, how do we deal with it? Well, quite naturally, you know what's going to happen, right? They're going to, go, they're going to fill the streets. And they're going to protest. But there's going to be some rioting as well going on. And so I, I, I slit you to begin to pray last week about how we respond to this situation. Because trouble is on the way. Tribulation is on the way. So Paul takes this opportunity to write the church at Rome. And understand that the book of Romans is perhaps one of the finest literary uh, writings that we have in our possessions. Because Paul does a masterful job of showing the intersection 
of the righteousness of God and the sinfulness of man. The overwhelming theme of the book of Romans is the righteousness of God, that God is righteous, that there is none like him. But Paul also deals with the sinfulness of man. That, go, that goes without saying. We are some sinful people. And I, and I know, I, I, I looked it up, and I, what, what was the greatest fear, what was the greatest trouble that America found themselves in in 2020 and 2021? And what do you think the greatest one was? COVID-19. Listen here, if you think COVID-19 is your biggest problem, you are sorely mistaken. COVID-19 may be a problem, but understand that America has a sin problem. We have a sin problem that is being snuffed out by COVID. Tribulation is coming. And it's coming as a result of our sinfulness. This is a nation that has, has, has basically turned its back on God. But God has not forgot about us. God still loves us. And so Paul writes this, this epistle, and he talks about God's righteousness, but he also interjects the sinfulness of man. For in the third chapter, he talks about, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Paul also tells us that there's none righteous, no, not one. None of us do good. There's not a one of us that is good and righteous apart from Jesus Christ. All of our goodness is as filthy rags before the Lord. None of us are doing good. We've all turned our backs on God. But even still, he loves us. And he patiently works with us to get us back into relationship with him and fellowship with him. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So even though we have a problem with God being perfect and righteous and holy and just and us being sinful, God has still worked out a plan for us. He still worked out a plan to get us from tribulation to hope, from trouble to blessings. And that's the kind of God he is. You, you need to understand that God does not desire to see you be destroyed. God wants you in a loving relationship with him. Because if we all get into this loving relationship with him and have fellowship with him, then we'll have peace with him. Because of the sinfulness of man, the Bible says that we have enmity with God or we become his enemy. And what you need to understand about this as well is that we are, are enemies of God, but all of the hate comes from our side. It does not come from God's side. Did you not know that you were born hating the things of God? Why? Because you were born with a sin nature. You were born 
not wanting to listen to what God had to say about your life. So in other words, God does not send people to hell. You were born on your way to hell. But this loving God, hallelujah, this loving God who loved you so much that he made a way for you to escape hell. And he's made some promises to you that he will always be with you even until the ends of the world. So yes, in the midst of your tribulation, in the midst of your trouble, God is still there with you. He has not abandoned you. So Paul comes in, into the fifth chapter of Romans and he says some really interesting things. Because what he's doing to begin or opening up this chapter is that he's solidifying your relationship with God in salvation. In other words, he's telling you that you have some eternal security once you've been born again. Because he says, therefore, being justified by faith. Now, understand, justified is a legal term. It is the declaration of your righteousness. And it is not predicated on how you perform. What it's predicated on is your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, what is your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? It is that strong belief. Why? Because man believes unto righteousness. It's that strong belief, that, that belief that will take your wrong and turn it into a right. It is predicated upon your repentance. You're turning away from your sin. And you're turning to God. Surrendering to God. Accepting, listen here, accepting the love of God. I don't know what's, what's wrong with us. That we don't want to accept that which is good. We don't want to accept that which is loving. But oh, we love the drama. We love the bad news, the bad things that come. That's why folk will stop on the freeway just to see an accident. They won't celebrate the birth of a child. What is wrong with us? The same thing that's always been wrong with us. We have a sin problem. You have such a loving God that has declared us righteous. He has justified us. In other words, the verdict has been passed down. And the verdict is not guilty. We're not guilty. Did you not know that there's a difference between innocent and not guilty? Because none of us are innocent. <laughs> Not guilty mean that you did it, but I'm not charging it against you. And that's what God is saying. He said, listen, I know you're sinful. But because of you've been justified, I'm not going to declare. I'm, I'm going to declare you as being righteous. Oh, but that was an awesome price. That was paid for our justification. It's an awesome price that God paid for our justification. And it was the blood of Jesus Christ. Listen here, because of that, because we've been justified with God, we have peace with God. This word peace here is like declaring that the war is over between us and God. That no longer are we going to have his wrath poured out upon us. No longer is the death penalty for our sinfulness on us. 
There is a peace that has been given to us because of our salvation and our justification in Jesus Christ. That was a moment for you to shout right there. Because there's nothing that you paid for this. You didn't attribute anything to this. God did it all. All it took was your faith in him. That's, that's all it took, your faith in him. That solidifies, that cements you into the family of God. Those promises are irreversible. You're in the family of God. We have peace with God through who? Jesus Christ. It's because of Christ. Christ is the, is the one that was in the middle of all of this. Don't you know that Christ was the one that paid the price for you? It was his blood that was shed, that washed your sins away. It was his shed blood that gave you the newness of life. And because he rose from the dead, now we will also rise into the newness of life. That's why I can't live like I used to live in salvation. That's why I can't keep doing the same things I was doing before I came into salvation. Why? Because God has made me over again. He's made me over again. He's changed everything about my life. And it started when he changed the way I thought. Changed how I viewed situations and circumstances. Because now I have the mind of Christ. I have the Holy Spirit living down inside of me, telling me that, hey, it's going to be all right. You just remain faithful to God. You just remain obedient to God. And God will work out everything else. I'm, listen, I'm a living testimony. God will work everything out. But guess what? Your, your faith is going to be tested to see if it's genuine or not. Because this text here is written for those who are true believers. And I usually don't like to use true believers because I, I, normally I just say believers. Because either you're a believer or you're not a believer. But it'll be tested. So if you're just here in church and you have not really confessed your sins unto God, if you have not received the Lord Jesus Christ, you're just in here fronting, then this text is really not for you. It's really not for you. This text is to help us to get from tribulation to hope. That's what this text is for. Not, on, not only the, you know, have we been accepted by God, but we also have access to God. Verse 2 says, by whom also we have access. How is that? By faith into this grace wherewith we stand. So here he said that we had not only have God accepted us based upon what Christ did upon the cross, but now we have access to him into the grace of God. The grace of God is God's unmerited favor, undeserved favor. We have access. He's opened the door for us to be able to get to it, and Jesus is the door. We didn't have to do anything. The only thing that we brought to the table was our faith. It's our belief in what God has already established, what he's already said. So what the problem is? What's the problem? This church should be flooded. Churches all over the world should be flooded 
Because we're living in a difficult time. And I, I guess my question is, why don't you want Jesus? What is it about Christ that you don't want, that you don't like? He's already done everything for us. He provided the sacrifice for us. He provided the grace for us. And now we have access. We have availability. Because you remember when he was hanging on Calvary and the earthquake hit and the veil in the temple split from the top to the bottom. It opened up the access to the holies of holies, which allowed us access into Christ. So no longer do you have to go to a priest and confess your sins. No, you can go into the holy of holies for yourself. You can go and tell Jesus all about it for yourself. Why? Because we got access now. We got access. But understand that everyone does not have access. There, 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 there was a story of a young man, a young lad in England that wanted to see the king. And so he took and packed him a lunch and went to Buckingham Palace. And he walked up to the guard and said, I want to see the king. I have something to share with the king. And the guards turned him around and rebuked him, told him that the king does not see commoners. The boy turned away and his tears, eyes filled with tears began to walk away. A nicely dressed man walked up to him and said, young man, what, what, what are you crying for? What's the matter? He said, well, I, I wanted to see the king. I got some things I wanted to discuss with the king, but the guards wouldn't let me through the gate. The man grabbed him by the hand and said, come with me, son. I'll take you to see the king. The man walked past the guards. They let him in. Walked into the palace, walked down the aisleway, and took him right up to the throne where the king sat. What changed? What changed was that the man that took him to the king was the prince himself. He was a son. Much in the same way we got access because we grabbed the son by the hand. He's walked us past all of our tribulations and our troubles, allowed us to come into the presence of the king. Because he is the way maker. Not only is he the door, but he is the way to the king. And we have access because of that. But not only that, because we have access to the grace, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in the, in the hope. You understand that hope here is not that wishy-washy hope. This is, this is the hope that is, has a great expectation. But before we can get the hope, understand that there is a road that must be traveled. Because all that live godly shall suffer persecution. We're going to all have some problems and troubles even on this side of salvation. As a matter of fact, they will intensify on this side of salvation. God did not come to eradicate or get rid of all of your troubles, but what he did give you was the strength to be able to get through them. One thing that I've learned about trouble, there, 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 there are some troubles that's, that's just for a season. It is, it's just for a season. 
There's, there, there's some trouble that will come and will go. But then there's some trouble that you're going to have to live through. You're going to have to trust God through them. And this is the tribulation that Paul is talking about here. He's talking about this tribulation that is longstanding. It does not go away. It is pressing. It is, it is, it's a tribulation that presses and puts a lot of pressure. It is an oppression. It is unrelenting. It is something that will force you to look to God. Because that's what it's going to take. You see, I, I, I don't know about you, but I've been in situations to where it just seemed like everything was falling apart. No matter what I did, no matter how hard I tried, I couldn't fix anything. And I'm, I'm the type of person, if I, you know, when I'm confronted with a problem, I go into problem-solving mode. I try to solve the problem, but some problems can't be solved by me. Some problems cannot be solved by you. It takes someone greater than you to solve your problems and your situations. The problem is that we keep putting our faith in the wrong places. We keep trying to put our faith in ourselves and others when we really need to turn it all over to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he is the great problem solver. So he said that there's some problem, there's, there, there, there's some tribulation, there's some trouble that's going to come your way as a believer. This is the testing of your faith. There, there, there's going to be some situations that you just can't handle. But don't think that all hope is lost. Because in the text he says, he said, he said, he said that tribul tribulation worketh patience. <laughs> and I don't know about you, but Patience is something that I run a little short on. But understand that in the midst of my troubles, in the midst of me not being able to fix what's going on, I don't have any other recourse but to wait on God. And understand that that's a good position to be in. I know it don't sound like it. I know it sounds foolish, but tribulation that you can't do nothing about is a good position for you. It's a good position for me. Why? Because it forces me to have faith in God. It forces me to trust God. As long as I can fix the situation, as long as I can correct it, then I'm all right. But when you get to the place where I can't do nothing about it, then no, no, no matter how much money I throw at a problem or a situation, some things can't be bought out. Some things you can't buy away. There's tribulation. There's financial tribulation. There's relational tribulation. There's tribulation in the homes. We certainly got tribulation in our community. Yes, and there's even tribulation inside the church. This nation has problems and tribulations and troubles. It's tribulation everywhere. You don't have to go looking for it. It's there. So how we just respond to it? We're to respond in faith. Because it's faith that moves God. It's faith that pleases God. When you turn your problem over to God, God delights in that. He loves when you, when you say, God, I can't handle this. I can't take, I, I can't deal with this. God loves that. Why? Because he specializes in difficult situations. <laughs> 
He specializes in the things that you cannot handle. But instead of giving up, we need to dig in. Because the other element of patience here is endurance. Being able to endure. It's having that steadfastness despite what's coming against me. It is maintaining that disciplined Christian life even in the midst of trouble. It's enduring. It's in it for the long haul. Don't give up. Don't get weary in well-doing. For why? In due season, you'll reap if you faint not. Don't get fearful. Don't let them scare you. Be disciplined. Say, Lord, for you I'll live and for you I'll die. Because what's the worst that can happen to us in our tribulation? It could take you out of here. You could die. But to die is to gain for the believers. So this, this here is for the believers. These are those who have been washed by the blood of Jesus. If my circumstances and my situation take me out of here, it's well with my soul. Because I know where my soul is going. I know that it's going to be with the Lord. What, what, what this does for me is that, that this removes the fear of death from me. I'm not trying to die, but I'm prepared to die. Why? Because I know that God's had his hands on me. And I know that the minute I close my eyes, I'll be in his loving hands. For eternity, forever. And then I won't have to deal with the tribulation down here on earth. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. But it work is patience. And patience worketh or bringeth experience. You know, one, one, one of the greatest things that you can put in the devil's face is the experiences that you've come overcome, that you've come through. You know, because when the devil thought he had you, when he thought he was about to take you out, when he thought he had you on your deathbed and God restored you, that's what we need to show the devil. The experiences that we've had because of this. How God has kept us. How he's not forsaken us. How he's turned things around in our lives. Anybody ever been turned around in your life? God has ever done anything for you. I told you God is a turnaround specialist. What the devil meant for evil, God will turn around and make it for your good. Because he loves you. He loves me. He loves us. He does not want to see us destroyed. But there are some times that God will say, okay, enough is enough. My child, come on home. Come on home and be at rest. But still you have that blessed hope. Because experience brings about hope. This is an official hope. This is a hope that we expect to see. You see, because I don't hope to get to heaven. I expect to get to heaven. That's my expectation. Heaven is my goal. Down here on earth is not my goal. This is not, should not be your goal right here on earth. If this is your goal, then you're really kind of shallow. All of our goals should be heaven. 
heaven bound. Because that's the blessed hope that we have. That, that, that's the hope that Jesus gives to us. That our lives are not as messed up, as jacked up as they used to be. He's changed us. He's given us this hope. This hope in Christ Jesus was wrought with a very expensive price. The hope giver, the peace giver, came into this world to give us hope. Came into this world to give us peace. Yes, he came in as a lowly child. Wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Yes, he woke, waxed well with men, God and man. He went about doing miracles, healing the sick and raising the dead. This is what Jesus came to do. But not only did Jesus do miracle works, but he showed us how to live. He showed us how to endure tribulation. Because he encountered the greatest tri tribulation ever mankind could ever see. And that was the tribulation of the cross. Jesus knew what he was headed to, but he said, I look beyond the cross to the joy that is beyond the cross. It's Jesus that did it. Suffered, bled, and died on our behalf. He gave his life for us. He sacrificed himself for us. He gave up everything for us that we might have a right to the tree of life. Yes, he suffered, bled, and died on that cross. They took him off the cross, put him in a tomb, but early on Sunday morning, he rose with all power in his hand. We were justified by his resurrection power, and therefore we shall rise. Why? Because he did it. He rose for us. He gave up everything, but he rose for us. And now he's sitting on the right-hand side of the Father, making intercession for us. He's telling God all about it. Every time you sin, every time I sin, he said, yeah, but I died for that sin. I gave my blood for that sin. And God said, okay, we've been not guilty. They're not guilty based upon what you've done for them. But he's coming back again. And I'm looking for him. I'm waiting on him to come back to rapture his church. And I'll work until he does. I will not stop because I know that even though there's tribulation, I'm in that blessed hope stage now where I just believe God can do any and everything. Why? Because he is Lord. He's Lord of all. And we thank God for him from tribulation to hope. Don't get stuck in your tribulation. There's a hope at the end. Please stand to your feet. Door to the church is open. We hope you enjoyed this message today. And we pray that it was a true blessing to you. If you are interested in learning more about Pastor Charles D. Twyman and the Macedonia Baptist Church family, you can reach out to us at www.mbcdet.com. Thank you. And God bless you.